Today we start a new sermon series. We're referring to it as Everyday Christianity with Tim, Titus, and Phil. The Bible has ample amounts of amazing stories in it. Amazing content. From uh, the story of creation uh, to the story of the incarnation of God to Jesus dying on the cross for all of our benefit, to his being raised from the dead and the promise of his return one day. Amazing, big, huge stories. But the Bible also provides quite a bit of basic, straightforward instruction on how to be God's people in response to his amazing work, in response to his amazing character, in response to his amazing love for us. It helps us understand what it looks like to live as God's children every day in this world. So we're going to be looking at uh, the interaction between the Apostle Paul and Tim, Titus, and Phil, or 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, uh, these three books of the Bible. And in these three individuals... Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, we have two pastors and a church leader. And so Paul's going to be talking to these two pastors, this this church leader, and then through them to their congregations and the people in their midst, and we'll learn from their examples. Today, it's all about introductions, all about introductions. We're calling it the mentor and his mentees. Now, be careful. You might think and conclude, well, this is just background data. I'll wait until some future Sunday to actually pay attention. I think I might go over my to-do list today. Or, or can I really sleep with my eyes open? Have you ever contemplated? Turns out that the better that we see Paul, Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, the better we'll see ourselves. The better we see and get to know and are introduced to Paul, Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, the better we'll get to know ourselves and each other. Have you ever been one, to one of those big speaky, speaking events, you know, where they bring onto the dais the, the, just these big-name individuals? I, I went to one of them when I used to live in Indianapolis, and they were bringing in that whole list. It was a two-day thing, and you, you paid your fee, and they'd, they'd bring in these uh, nationally known characters. And so it was Colin Powell and uh, Lou Holtz and just other names that they, were, uh, that they had arranged to be together. And you go there, and, and it's not so much that every speaker had great content, but you were really there to, to be in their presence, hear some of their stories. In our situation, it, we're peering in on something different. So Paul, yes, known among the, uh, those in the early church, and we've come to know him over the centuries, but he writes letters. And he writes a letter to Timothy, and he writes one to Titus, and to Philemon, and we get to peer in on their communications. And it's not just some big event. When we gather around these letters, it was one Christian speaking to another Christian, And then through that Christian to the others who would listen and read the letter as well, including ourselves. Today's takeaways from our conversation, I'm hoping that by the end of our time, we'll have a fresh view of ourselves. Maybe for some in the room, it'll be simply a good reminder of what you've already known. And 
but maybe for some of us, just some of us, it, it could be like, ah, I didn't see it that way before. And now I see more clearly. So a fresh way to see ourselves. And secondly, that we would have a fresh way to see others around us as well. What we're going to do is we're going to read the introductions from each of the letters in uh, uh, that these uh, letters of 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. Um, and then we'll come back and, and we'll take a look at, uh, at them together. What you're going to notice is that there is a similar structure in each of the introductions. Paul introduces himself, and then he has a couple of words about the addressees that he's sending these letters to, and then he offers a greeting or a blessing to them. You'll also notice some differences, but that's the basic structure. It was the basic structure of letter writing in Paul's time. And so we might ask, can we really put weight on salutations? I mean, in our world, if we happen to write a letter, uh, we, you, we might introduce a letter with dear so-and-so. And we never think about the word dear. We just say dear so-and-so. Of course, a lot of us, we've given up on dear altogether, and we just, you know, use abbreviations and emojis. And uh, Paul follows a structure. And yet what we find in his structure, the content that he uses in that structure, he actually talks about in the content of the letter. These are not just one-off or just meaningless words at the beginning in order to get, what he, to get to what he really wants to talk about. We find in the introductions the substance of what he'll be communicating later in the letter. All right, with all this in mind, let's go ahead and open up our Bibles. If you brought one with you, uh, we're going to start in 2 Timothy. So later in the New Testament, 2 Timothy, you know what Bible, what Bible book it follows? 1 Timothy, uh, yeah. Um, so if you find 1 Timothy, go to the next one. If you find Titus, go back one. All right, 2 Timothy, this is chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Hear the word of God. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So now let's turn to Titus. And here we'll be in Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Interesting thing about Titus, the introduction here. So Paul, um, his longest introduction is actually in the letter to the Romans. Between the name Paul and when he introduces that letter, there are 71 Greek words. In Titus, between Paul's name and the two Titus, uh, there are 46 Greek words. The next one down is 25 Greek words. So this is a substantial introduction even from Paul. on Paul's standards. So let's dive into this. This is uh, Titus chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, And at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. 
to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Savior. And then we come to Philemon. And Philemon only has one chapter, so it's just verses 1 through 3. And what we're going to discover in this is that this letter is not just to one individual, although Philemon we understand to be the primary person that this letter is to. At least the, when we get to that Sunday and we're talking about Philemon, we'll find that the, that the main part of the letter is addressed to just one person. And here at the beginning, though, Paul has a, an introduction uh, where he addresses the letter to uh, a few different folks. And we'll pick that up as we go through our morning this, uh, today. So Philemon, verses 1 through 3. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless the reading of his word and may God show his favor upon us as we come under his word today. All right, so let's jump in. And the first character we're going to spend time getting to know is Paul himself. All right, I don't want to alarm you, but I was out driving a, 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 sometime when we had a rain. It wasn't too long ago, but uh, I, it was raining. And I was just thinking, I was thinking about uh, how difficult it is to see at night when it's raining and you have all the lights that are shining. So he, there I was. I'm driving. I've got my wipers on, but it was coming down decently. And okay, and so I wear glasses, and glasses have transitional lenses, and, and everything was sparkly and pretty, but it was all kind of sparkly, and there was enough moisture on the road at night to where you really couldn't see the lines. Wouldn't it be great if there were a set of lenses we could put on in that moment and see everything clearly? in the midst of all the blurriness and distraction and sparkle. Well, what we find with Paul's words this morning is help in seeing ourselves clearly. Here's how Paul introduces himself. So if we turn to 2 Timothy, we find these words. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Those three parts put together. Apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. As Paul introduces himself here, he is relating himself to the missio Dei, to the mission of God. When Paul introduces himself, he goes, I'm an apostle. The word apostle is a word that means messenger, or one who's going to go speak on behalf of somebody else. We've also seen it before in Christianity as a title, right? That there are the 12 apostles, and it can be seen kind of as a title, but there's a very much a function to it. It's not just like they're saying, I'm an archbishop, or I'm a monsignor, or some kind of title like that, but it describes a role that he plays. He is a messenger. Not just any messenger, he is a messenger of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. And so what Paul does, he goes, listen, God is up to something. God is doing something. God is on a mission in this world, and I am a part of that mission. When we go to 
Titus, we find these words. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. The little bit of a nuance that we pick up in this part of uh, Titus is that there's an emphasis on his relationship with God, the nature of that relationship, that he is God's servant. Other places he might say that he's God's slave or the slave of Christ, or that, but here he's saying, I am God's servant. And then he goes on to uh, establish what this servant relationship, this, this connection with God that he has. He puts it this way, and here's where we get into that extended description. He says, for the sake of the faith of God's elect, he sees his servanthood before God in terms of his connection with others. You know, the Bible talks about God is the God that moves and, and elects and chooses, and, and, and he's the one who alone can ignite our hearts for him. That if it were left up to us, we could not make our approach to God at all. So we are dependent upon God clicking something, moving us, igniting something, turning something. And Paul doesn't know who the elect are, but as Paul being a missionary and a theologian and a discipler, and a, but in his role as missionary, he goes out and he trusts that as he speaks the good news of Jesus Christ, that God will use that in the life of those that God has already chosen and elected. And, and God brings his grace into this world through his actions. So he goes, listen, I'm a servant of God, apostle of Christ, for the sake of the faith, of the believing of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. And it's not just a a truth that that we can just pontificate and discuss and argue about, but it's a truth that has a certain nature to it. It says, which accords to godliness. In other words, that he's going to be speaking about what God has revealed, but it's intended to change lives and to result in a different way of living in this world. For the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords to godliness in hope of eternal life. So even as he's talking about this, he goes, by the way, it's all tied to a great outcome. It's all tied to what God is going to bring about one day in the hope of eternal life. Which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Something God promised long ago. And then he links it to himself. And at the proper time, manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. So did you pick up the words in that whole paragraph? Did did you pick up those, those meaningful words, faith, election, truth, godliness, eternal life, promise, promise manifested, preaching, Savior? In other words, when Paul introduces himself, he relates who he is in his relationship with God to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul sees himself in light of the big story of God in this world. And then in Philemon, we find the words, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Now, this is interesting because there's a, uh, the dialogue, and we'll have to wait for the Sunday that we actually get to this, and, uh, but in the conversation with Philemon, there's, there's going to be an ask, a, a subtle uh, uh, ask, an important ask, a dramatic ask, but even as he sets that up, he's, he's already communicating, listen, I suffer for Christ. This is who I am, a prisoner for Christ. We don't want to just 
spiritualize this and, well, he's, he's captured to Christ or that he's, he's a prisoner unto Christ, but that he is actually in prison, that he has suffered. And this is who he is. So he sees himself in faithfulness and belonging to Christ, suffering for Christ. All right, so we have those three pictures. There's a couple places where Paul helps us kind of get a, a feeling of what those things are, what it looks like to be an apostle, what it looks like uh, to be a servant of God in his role. One of them happens to be 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 9 through 13. It's not going to be on the screen, so if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this passage down. 1 Corinthians 4, 9 through 13. Here's what he writes there. It's all about being an apostle. He writes, for I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. And here he's making a little bit of a comparison between the apostles uh, and uh, the Corinthians and how they might see themselves. So he goes, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. We are held in honor, but uh, you, you are held in honor, but we in dispute, d- disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world the refuse of all things. Oh, what fun to be an apostle. This is Paul. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. There's this other passage. Now, this is actually in 2 Timothy, and this will be the only time that we take a look at this part of 2 Timothy. But you kind of get, what we get again is this insight into his daily life and what that looks like. He, he gives this description to, to Timothy, uh, uh, more of a kind of a personal request. And so we're peering in on Paul's life here. Here's what he says. This is in 2 Timothy. Again, if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. You can look it up. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 18. Here's, he's writing to Timothy. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas... In love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Some shade is being cast here, and he's um, he's without one of his helpers, one of his colleagues, who's deserted him. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. No shade here, just servants going off to uh, servants of Christ going off to do ministry in other communities. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring, I love this, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Is that great? It's, it's not like it's hanging in the outer room, just, hey, on your way here, go see Corpus and have him give you the cloak. I'm a little chilly. Winter's coming on also the books, and above all, bring the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message, 
At my first defense, no one came to stand by me. This is a trial that Paul was in in Rome. At, at my defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So when Paul says he's an apostle, he's saying, listen, it's not always a fun job. And, and sometimes it's really bad and you're treated really bad and it's a hard life and, and things don't always go well. But it's who he is. It's who he is, and he's part of God's mission. And he's part of God's big story. And his heart's been awakened by God. And this is who he is. Okay, so that's one side of it. I just want to point out this other thing. We'll throw up a slide on this as well. The thing to notice is that there's a real uh, 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 theocentricity and Christocentricity, a a God-centeredness and a Christ-centeredness to Paul's self-understanding. When, when he introduces himself, it's in relationship to God and it's in relationship to Christ. Christ and uh, God. And the way he actually lays it out, and if, if we had Bible study time, we'd actually take more time and look at this individually. But the way he lays it out, he actually takes uh, God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ, and he, and he links them together. Like there's this equality that's, that, that uh, he establishes in his words, that he recognizes in his words. And so we see in the passage that, that he's apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. God's at the center. Christ is at the center of his identity. Have you seen the musical Les Mis before? I would imagine a good number of us probably have. And uh, uh, maybe you read the book Les Mis. And I'm gonna, I'll give you a spoiler alert, but the book's been out for a couple centuries. So <laughs> that's, that's on us, right? Um, Actually, in the musical, though, there's this song called uh, Who Am I? It's sung by the uh, main character, Jean Valjean. Jean, Jean Valjean had been a prisoner for 19 years, and, and then he's put on parole. And, but life is really hard on parole, and um, he had a parole card. He had to show your parole card all the time, and, and it just couldn't make things go for him. His life was really, really hard. And so he ends up stealing from, from this priest, and, and the priest shows him this grace and in this blessing, this mercy toward him, and his life is changed. As time goes by, he becomes kind of wealthy, and he has a business, and he's caring for a lot of people through his business. And the police officer that had paroled him um, came to understand that Jean Valjean had torn up his parole card and was AWOL, essentially. But they found somebody that looked like Jean Valjean. And they were putting him on trial to send him to prison. And so Jean Valjean is in this moment and he has to decide what he's going to do. And he has to own who he is. In the song that he sings, the lyrics go like this. How can I ever face fellow men? He's right in the midst of, you know, if I speak up, if I speak up and say who I am, I'm condemned. I'm going to go back to prison. He goes, but if I don't speak up, I am damned. That there's this relationship I have with God and there's consequences if I don't speak up and someone else goes to prison instead of me. 
And so he sings this out. How can I ever face my fellow men? How can I ever face myself again? My soul belongs to God. I know. I made that bargain long ago. He gave me hope when hope was gone. He gave me strength to journey on. Who am I? Who am I? I'm Jean Valjean. And he owns his identity in God. He owns what God had had been doing in his life and the hope that God had given him. And so for us, on an everyday matter, it's standing up every moment of every day claiming our identity that we have in Christ. Who am I? I'm a servant of the Lord. You know, the Bible talks about us having different spiritual gifts and different callings in this world. And some might be apostles and some might be uh, pastors or evangelists, shepherds or teachers. Others of us will have the gift of teaching or the gift of encouragement or whatever our gift is. And for us to say, listen, this is who I am. I am one redeemed by God through Christ, a member of the body of Christ, a Christ follower, a witness for Christ. This is me. Who am I? I'm a teacher for the Lord. I'm a disciple maker. I'm a, I'm a caregiver. I, I live with God and Christ at the center of my life. This is who I am. Okay, so that's a view into having that really clear vision of who we are, putting on those lenses like Paul did to say, this is who I am. Now Paul's going to talk about his relationship with others around him, with other Christians. And so we find him talking to Timothy or writing to Timothy and Titus and Philemon. Here's what he says to Timothy. He says, my beloved child. Paul had been instrumental in in Timothy's development of a walk with God. My beloved child. He writes to Titus, my true child in common faith. You might be going, well, does this mean he liked Titus better than Timothy because one's beloved and the other's true. Actually, in 1 Timothy, Paul says, my true child, so we can all rest. It's all good. My beloved child, my true child in common faith, Philemon, our beloved fellow worker. And even when he writes to Apphia and Archippus, he has comments for them, our sister, our fellow soldier. By the way, there's some discussion. Again, if we have Bible study time, we could get into it more deeply. Scholars, uh, there's not a whole lot of detail around this. It could be that Apphia is, is uh, Philemon's wife, or maybe she's uh, just a, a co-laborer in the gospel in that church. Uh, Archippus could be their son or just another leader in the church. But Paul writes to them, my beloved child, my true child, my beloved fellow worker, What he does here is he sees other people through the communion that he has with them in Christ. Okay, yesterday morning, I sat down. It was kind of late in the morning. I was finally having my breakfast, and and I just popped on the TV uh, because I knew that the Bruins were playing, and and I watched a little bit, just a short bit of time between uh, UCLA and the University of Arizona Wildcats. I have not been on the UCLA campus for a good number of years, and I only spent... a few years there, given the whole scope of my life. But as soon as I popped that on, I had communion. We, we were connected. These were my Bruins, and we were supposed to win that game. Now, I only watched a little bit at the beginning of it, and, and so every time the Bruins made a basket, the ball went through the hoop, I, I felt like we, we, we made a basket. 
And every time those wildcats made a basket, those nasty wildcats, they're not us. They're somebody else. And Paul here, as he talks about Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, he has a great sense of we, of together, of communion, that they share in something that's, that's united in Christ. Let me just turn our attention to a couple, uh, or I'll just turn to one passage on this. You've read these passages before, I bet you, that this one's from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. So this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and here's what he says about the communion. He goes, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. If you were to take a moment and look around you and see the people in the seats next to you, in front of you, behind you, that when you see other Christians, you know who they are. That's your sister. That's your brother. That's your beloved sister, your beloved brother. That's your fellow worker. Another member of the body of Christ. Who are you to the Christian next to you? Who is the Christian next to you to you? We gather not simply to say hi to each other on Sunday mornings or to talk about how sad it was that UCLA lost the game. We gather to encourage and be encouraged. We gather to exhort and be exhorted. We gather to care and be cared for. We gather to disciple and to disciple. We gather to send and be sent. It's who we are. If we see each other clearly, Paul helps us. Listen, this is our identity. Beloved child, beloved sibling, beloved fellow worker. We are Christian together. And so these are the ones we will be learning in the coming weeks. We'll be learning from these in the coming weeks. Uh, we'll learn from Paul, who's apostle, servant, prisoner, by the will of God and service to Christ. We'll learn from Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, Tim, Titus, and Phil, co-workers, our beloved siblings, our brothers in common faith. And so finally, a quick word then about the greetings that are shared. Grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace appear in 2 Timothy as Paul's greetings to Timothy in that letter. and the other two, it's just grace and peace. Here's what we wish and pursue with one another. We pursue grace, mercy, and peace. We wish upon one another grace, mercy, and peace. We want one another to know this, to receive it, to welcome it, to base our lives on it. You know, what if surgeons never talked about surgery and patience and healing with one another? What if teachers never talked about learning and mentoring and empowering with one another? What if engineers never talked about projects and technologies and systems and solutions with one another? We are Christian. And as Christians, 
This is our bread and butter. Grace, mercy, and peace. One scholar put it this way, grace, God's ongoing forgiveness and enabling. Mercy, God's sympathy and concern. Peace, God's tranquility and stability. Grace, mercy, and peace. We see each other clearly, and we know what we share together. In the coming weeks, we'll examine what it means and looks like to be everyday Christians. Today, we begin by putting on a whole new set of lenses, lenses that help us see ourselves and each other more clearly. Today, let's answer the question, who am I? I am one called by God and a follower of Christ Jesus. Today, let's answer the question, who are we to each other? We are beloved siblings by the grace, mercy, and peace of Christ. And we share in a common faith. And we share in a common mission. Let us be this, let us, this be our vision for our life together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, Paul sets for us an example. We thank you for the relationships of Paul and Timothy and, and Titus and Philemon and for the churches. And We thank you, God, that you have been working relationships out among your children for centuries upon centuries. God, keep working in our midst. Help each one of us to have a, uh, that kind of clarity about our own identity in you that we'd have that kind of clarity about our relationships with one another. Be with us in these coming weeks as we spend time in these letters of Paul. And may you use your revealed truth to shape us more into the image of Christ. With gratitude, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.